So now we've spoken about branches of government, one of which is the legislator, and we've spoken about spheres of government at the national, provincial, and local level, right? What that means is that in the context of the legislator, we have legislating at national level, at provincial level, and at local level. And so I'm going to take you through each of these, right? You will often hear the word parliament thrown about. And when we're talking about the legislator in the sense of parliament, we're talking about the legislator at the national level of our country, right? So we're talking about parliament. We're talking about the building uh, in Cape Town City Centre that nearly got burnt down. That is the building we're talking about and what we're talking about when we're talking about parliament, where they legislate at a national level. But parliament itself is not just one a whole body, right? One house of parliament. Our parliament is divided into two houses. We've got what we refer to as the National Assembly, and then we have what we refer to as the National Council of Provinces. Both of these houses make up parliament, and therefore they are both operating at the national sphere. So the National Council of Provinces, together with the National Assembly, comprises parliament, and parliament conducts the legislative function at the national level. And so now I'm, so now I'm just going to give you a bit of uh, uh, detail in so far as what the National Assembly is about and what the National Council of Provinces is about. So if you look at the National Assembly, we will see that there are 400 members that sit within the National Assembly, right? So in the National Assembly, we often see this in Parliament. We watch the TV and we see the different political parties and we see the EFF wanting to punch the some ANC member or some DA member or the DA singing songs and walking out of Parliament and, and not wanting to participate in the proceedings, right? These are all the members that I'm talking about when I'm speaking about these 400 members, right? And the question is now, now what is the makeup of these members? How many people of how many political party gets to sit there in parliament within the National Assembly, that 400 people in the National Assembly? And the thing to remember here is that South Africa has what we refer to as a system of proportional representation, right? That's a particular electoral system that we have and that you will learn more about in constitutional law. But what proportional representation in essence entails is that when you look at the vote and you count the national vote, right, the political parties that succeeded in obtaining a certain amount of votes in the national elections will be represented in Parliament in a way that reflects the amount of votes that they received. So what do I mean by this? Let's say we have an election and the ANC gets 50% of the vote at national level and the DA gets 50% of the vote at national level. In that particular scenario, you have 400 members of Parliament and you will see that of those 400 members, 200 members will be the DA and of that 200 members will be the ANC, right? But let's assume the ANC gets 60% of the vote, right? If the ANC gets 60% of the vote and the DA gets 40% of the vote, then we go back to Parliament and of the 400 members, 60% of them will be 80 ANC representatives and 40% of them will be DA representatives. So now if the ANC won 60% of the vote, 
and there's 400 members in parliament, that would mean that 240 of the 400 members will be people from the ANC, right? People chosen by the ANC as a political party. So if the ANC wants 60% of the vote, that will be 240 ANC members in parliament. And if the DA won 40% of the vote, that would mean that there is 160 DA members in parliament, right? So of that 400 members, you will see that the political parties are represented on the basis of proportional representation because that is how our electoral system works. And of course, the composition of parliament is a very important thing and we will learn a bit more about that when it comes to the different types of bills that is passed through parliament and the processes and the quorums needed in order to get those bills through from through Parliament. But of course, it's very important what this composition, these 400 members in the National Assembly looks like, because let's say the ANC wants to pass an amendment to the Constitution, to the property clause, they would need a certain amount of members of that 400 members voting in favor. And so if they have a lot of people out of that 400 members, it is more likely that they'll be able to push whatever legislative agenda it is, whatever type of laws they want to see become, whatever type of issues they want to see become laws in the country, they're more likely to be able to push through those laws because of the fact that they've got strong representation within the National Assembly. So that's why it's important that you understand that the composition of the National Assembly, that there's 400 members, and that you understand that the composition is uh, determined on the basis of proportional representation, through our national election. Right. So now we're going to look at the responsibilities of the National Assembly. So, of course, when I speak about the legislator and when I speak about the National Assembly, if I were to ask you what is the job of the National Assembly, I'm sure that the default answer by many of you will be the National Assembly makes laws. Right. And that is absolutely correct. The principal function of the National Assembly is to, to, to create laws for the country. But that's not the National Assembly's only duty, right? The, the National Assembly has a responsibility. Remember, we spoke about checks and balances earlier and how one arm of government has a responsibility to supervise another arm of government to maintain that equilibrium between the three branches of government. So one way in which the, in which the legislator fulfills that duty, that checks and balances duty, is that it's got a responsibility to hold the executive to account, to make sure that the executive is actually doing their job. So what that means is that parliament has this function of holding the executive to account. And an example of that would be that we are having all of this load shedding and with the country, the economy is being impacted and, and residents are being impacted and students are being impacted and it's completely unacceptable. And so now we have our Minister of Public Enterprises, Ms. Minister Godan, who is responsible ultimately for managing uh, what the situation is in ESCOM. And so what Parliament can do, Parliament has the power of, as one branch of government to supervise what the executive does. So Parliament can summon Praveen Gordon to come to Parliament and in Parliament he will stand there and the different members of Parliament from the different political parties can gun him with questions, can throw questions at him, can tell him, but why is the infrastructure not in place any longer? Why are we still experiencing load shedding? And that is an example of the check which the legislator does over the executive. 
So that's one another function of Parliament. Parliament is also responsible for creating a space within issues in the country can be discussed. We refer to it as a, a, a national forum for public debate. And what this means is if there is an issue of public interest, right? So there's a, the issue like the, the default one to go to is the issue around expropriation without compensation. When a bill is presented in parliament and we have all of these different uh, political parties discussing the bill and debating the bill and contesting the bill, we get to turn on our TVs and we get to watch this. And Parliament, as we're watching it unfold, we're seeing the space created for public debate, right? It gives an opportunity for public debate on the issue around um, land reform and expropriation without compensation. So that's another function of Parliament, right? So Parliament can also go so far as to call the President in and ask the President questions about how the President is executing his mandate, how the President is fulfilling his responsibilities. So I can give you an example of that would be the situation where we saw uh, President Jacob Zuma um, and the accusations around Kandla and the non-security related upgrades that were, were done on his place. And uh, the, the possibility of him now paying the money back again. What happened in that instance is we see that in Parliament, President Jacob Zuma was summoned, and we see a lot of the EFF members, like Julius Malema, questioning uh, President, then-President Zuma about why it was that there were these non-security upgrades and him having to pay back the money, right? So that's another aspect when it comes to the responsibilities of Parliament. Another important one is that that of electing crucial office bearers in our country. And what I mean by office bearers, I'm talking here about what we refer to as chapter nine institutions. And I'm going to teach you a bit about that in a short while. But a lot of you, if I mention the word South African Human Rights Commission or public protector or perhaps even Auditor General, that's going to ring a bell in your head, right? And this is because these are extremely important and influential positions in our country that has got to do with uh, how it is our democracy uh, functions and ensuring that our democracy functions correctly. And so these are very, very important offices, offices to be held. And we see that ultimately the Constitution tasks the responsibility on Parliament to ensure that the, the public protector is elected, right? To ensure that the uh, commissioner of the South African Human Rights Commission is elected. And so this is the, the uh, one of the main responsibilities of parliament. And in fact, parliament is so important when it comes to the relationship in terms of the three branches of government in the sense that it is parliament to ultimately uh selects the president and it is parliament who has the uh, ability to impeach the president and to force the president out of office and this ability that parliament has to force the president out of office under certain circumstances to impeach him we've seen several attempts of impeachment against president jacob zuma then president and we see that it didn't ultimately succeed but what i'm showing you is that there is that power that rests in parliament to impeach a president if the president is falling short in certain circumstances. And that is just another example of what I mean when I refer to checks and balances, the ability and the power entrusted in one branch of government, the legislator, 
to hold another branch of government, the executive, in this situation in the form of the president, accountable to ensure that our democracy um, stays, um, our, our democracy can thrive and to ensure that there isn't any kind of abuses that uh, creep into the way in which our democracy is functioning and the way in which the three different arms of government are functioning.